Well, we uh, open up to um, the last section of Second Peter chapter two, dealing with deceptive methods, the decept- deceptions of false teachers, and the methods that they uh, do, their characteristics, the very nature of what these uh, people are. Let's. Uh, Let's read the word here in verse 17, chapter 2. These are springs without water and mists driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. For speaking out arrogant words of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires, by sensuality those who barely escape from the ones who live in error, promising them freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and are overcome. The last state has become worse for them than the first. For it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit and a sow after washing returns to wallowing in the mire. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your Spirit. And help us to see what You have for us in this particular passage that we look at tonight. And uh, may we uh, learn of You, and uh, may You have all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are probably hearing a cat. The cat is probably right above us, and you'll probably be hearing some really uh, strange noises here. We were here the other day, uh, Monday, I believe, and we heard that, and I wound up uh, opening one of those up and got the cat down. It's uh, one of the workers here. Kent then saw it, and then I gave it to him. I think he goes up there a lot. Did he get Uh <laughs> Evidently so. It's a healthy-looking cat. And he wouldn't so, go outside. He says, ain't no way you put me out the door. We thought he'd gotten in there. So he's walking around on me? Yeah, so he's yeah you'll... Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we may have no one fall. <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, Evidently he has a way of... He likes to get up there and then he doesn't know how to get down. I don't know. I've heard of bats in the belfry, but not cats. Cats in the belfry. <laughs> Take care of the mice. <laughs> anyway, so if you're wondering what that is, I think that's that's probably it. Um, the characteristics are really described here: springs without water, mist driven by a storm for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Now, these are the very words of God. And He uh, brings them out very descriptive, doesn't He, here in this section. God takes uh, His Word seriously, and when people mess with it, uh, believe me, He will will take care of it. In the meantime, He tells us to watch out for these. These are the people that kind of give an impression that they have something to say. They are the ones that have uh, evidently something that people want to uh, to go to. And the only thing is, as people go to them, it's like going to an empty soda machine on a really hot day. <laughs> There's nothing there. There should be. 
he compares it to water, springs without water, mist driven by a storm. Water is a really very valuable commodity <laughs> to, to all of us. If you go back to the times of this writing, it was even more valuable in the sense it was it was harder to get. And uh, when you'd go to a spring, uh, you're supposed to get refreshing, delicious water to refresh you. Uh, when we go to the Word of God, we are to get um, refreshing words from God, and it should be taught that way. Um, Anyway, we get our refreshing doctrine from right here. But if somebody is teaching it and it's doing it in a false way, then it's springs without water. There's nothing there. Uh, it's like uh, being in a desert with a parched tongue, longing for water to satisfy us. And, and I think Barb is just pointing. She sees the cat looking down. And <laughs> if the, if one wants to get that cat down later, you can just lower one of those down and put a chair up there, hold it up there, and then it comes right down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Why he keeps going up there, I don't know. You mean you let him out here because he's lonely? when he gets back in? Well, I gave him to Kent. He's supposed to be in that room there. So, I, I, I kind of thought, oh, this is going to happen again, and sure enough, it, it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, the talking donkey now, the talking cat. If we hear words coming out of there, <clears throat> I'm running. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know what we're going to do Sunday, but evidently we're going to have to get something taken care of there because that's not going to fly. <laughs> the cat's not going to fly, but <laughs> that's probably the the best way. That's I don't know if that one comes out. The one in the kitchen did. Yeah, all sorts of stuff come out of there probably. <laughs> When the folding chairs from the uh, kitchen and set it up, that's what Dennis did. He crawled onto that and you could lower him down. Yeah, did you see where that mask was I had in the kitchen that was on the floor that I was sweeping up? In that area is where... Huh? Dennis, that folding chair there. What's the folding chair? There you go. Dennis set it up and then he crawled onto that and he brought him down. Oh, I see. He wouldn't come down without a stable. I just put it right up there. Come on. 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 Come only here can you get that kind of deal. <laughs> okay. Let's say you see an oasis. And you see you're out in the desert and an oasis is there and it has trees and it has grass and it's supposed to have water and, and you run there, you throw yourself down there and the spring is dry as a bone. <laughs> and so when when we think of springs without water, the mist that are coming looks like it's going to be a rainstorm and you haven't had rain for like months. Do you remember back uh, 
don't have to go back too far. <laughs> Probably even last summer. But a couple summers ago, we just had the driest summer ever. I mean, every all of our plants just dried up and withered and died. And so you get... Yeah, probably better get him out of there, Dwayne. I got a feeling we've probably got cat allergies in here. Yeah. Yeah. These false teachers, they offer thrills and insight and all sorts of things, and they're promising rain. They don't have it. And, of course, that rain that we would think that was going to come, you look at the clouds, remember that? And you think, oh, it's finally going to rain. It would cloud up and nothing happened. They just moved on. You know, it'd rain everywhere else, but it wouldn't rain around here, right? And they were clouds without water, empty. Um, talking about being barren, and the mist would come along. They just blow away, and that's the idea of what false teachers are. They offer so much. They sound like they have so much. They have a form of godliness. I think Paul said this to Timothy. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. Uh, they just have something that's novel. People really are attracted to, but no substantiating spiritual uh, food that is with it at all. And, uh, of course, I think that's pretty descriptive if God brings that, that forth. You know, you can just see that imagery. It's really vivid, isn't it? Spring without water, mist driven by a storm, for whom the black darkness has been reserved. And... Uh, Man, you just think about thirsty people. There's thirsty people, and they're just wanting to get out of where they're at, the hot and dry, and the promise that seems to be there, and it doesn't come. It's not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, matter of fact, it, in Mark where we were at uh, Sunday, something along the same lines, where he's talking about the uh, leaders of the day, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and right at the end of verse 40, who, who devour widows' houses and for appearance's sake offer long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. So the false teachers are going to have some of the worst condemnation that that anybody will have. There's degrees of punishment, like there's degrees of rewards, you know, in heaven and, and in hell. Um, this is reserved for these. Yeah. Bad enough, yeah. That and they will get the worst. And they seem so good, you know, to, to people if they if they don't discern. And uh, boy, you know, they're they're like a fog, like a mist, but there's nothing there. Yeah, they start believing their own thing that they've contrived, you know, come up with. And I have just a couple of minutes, and I won't name the person, but I tell you, just share about the guy landing. Right ahead. Uh, during the time that I thought I was lost uh, and thought that God did not love me anymore, there was nothing left for me at all. All I was trying to do was exist from day to day. I went to a counselor here in Jefferson City. He had been former. He grew up in Arkansas. He was a former uh, evangelist, a missionary Baptist, 
he he was an evangelist in several states, mm-hmm. and he said that it looked like he was heading toward a Billy Graham type ministry. But uh, somehow the catalyst of all of it was he got in an affair, and then somehow he turned away from God. So, and many people got saved in the ministry, but he turned away from God. Thought there was no hope for him, and he just plunged into sin, plunged into error, and. Uh, uh, began reading all of this philosophies and went into existentialism where nothing matters and all this kind of stuff. And then finally, he said, that through his study, he began reading liberal Christianity. And then finally, this thing about the Christ began to come out. He actually pointed to his heart and said, the thing about the Christ began to come out. Not the Lord Jesus Christ, but the Christ that Oprah talks about, the Christ. That they talk about the world Christ that came and maybe dwelt in Jesus. Uh, but Jesus himself is not the anointing of God. Jesus himself is not God. And then he got wrapped up in A Course in Miracles, which is purely satanic. And he was promoting this stuff. When he found out that I thought that I was called to be an evangelist, he said, we don't need any more people like Billy Graham. And, and he denied the gospel. He denied the Lord Jesus. It was just, it was just terrible. And... Uh, and I am so ashamed to say that I went to that man in counselor for a long time. Uh, and the quick testimony that I would say that finally, even though I thought I was lost and could have no hope, the question came to me, are you going to deny the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ like this man has done? Just to avoid your, the terror of going to hell when you die. And I could not do it. I would not do it. I would not do that. And uh, I thank God that he kept me from doing that. But this man has denied it. And uh, it's, just, it's just terrible. I saw him a while back, and uh, it looks, he looked very ill physically. And he said something about, well, it's good to see you one last time. And I didn't ask what that meant. And uh, it's, just, it's just terrible. It's just terrifying. And uh, I, when I see this, I can't help but think of that man. I'm not, I, I'm not seeing... Absolutely, without hope, but he shreds all the evidence. I've tried to talk to him. So, but he likes Zen Buddhism and everything. Mm. He likes everything but true Christianity. Mysticism. Mm. Uh, Mysticism. Yeah, yeah, he's just Babylon. And knowledge wise, he knew what the gospel was. Oh, yes. Yeah. And he actually and he read all the old guys. He read Jonathan Edwards. Mm. And, uh, That's yeah. That's what they do, don't they? They they're not only sons of hell, as Jesus called them in Matthew twenty three. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, and hypocrites, and that go out and evangelize people. Actually, bring them, you know, into Judaism, and they'd make them sons of hell, also, as Jesus spoke about. That some of these people that he that he were converted in his ministry by hearing the word of God, not because of his hands, they heard the word of God, and the Holy Spirit worked on their hearts. He did say some of those that were converted in his ministry were still true to the faith, but he himself had abandoned. That uh, I imagine you've probably read this passage many times, and it just spoke to you in a real way. 
uh, Jude is another one. Of course, it's all over the scriptures, but in um, Jude uh, 12, uh, 13, along the same lines there. And it's sad, really. It really is. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast. Now, Peter talked about that, where they would actually have the, the love feast, you know, and dealing with their church meetings. And when they feast with you without fear, they were right in there amongst them, caring for themselves. And that's what the idea is about. It's not, not about God. It's not about others. It's all themselves. Clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn trees without fruit, nothing there, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. That is how serious it is. And there are many who are just like what Dwayne just talked about. To actually know those kind of guys, it's kind of staggering. It definitely happens. Look in Matthew 8.12 where Jesus is talking about something along this line dealing with uh, hell. And He gives it along that same description. But the sons of the kingdom... He's talking about uh, people of Judaism. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There he talks about the outer darkness. That's uh, That was the, the Jewish people who were really not uh, going to be believing in Christ there. It's, a, it's kind of... Uh, Darkness. You ever seen a kind of fire? There's a black fire that you can't see that that uh, can consume things. The blackness of the fire. Uh, outer darkness. Outside that. Black darkness. Whatever kind of description that we have from Christ and the uh, epistles that are written this way. Pretty uh, enlightening, isn't it? even though it's dark. Uh, The arrogance of them. Look in Jude 16. These are grumblers finding fault, following after their own lusts. They speak arrogantly. How do they get the crowds? They flatter people for the sake of gaining an advantage. It's not about the other people. It's, It's all about themselves. Didn't want that God. Anyway, that was the point. Is that that's what turned Walter Winfrey. Now here's the guru to 
You know, she has her own religion. She's rewritten it. She's grabbed some things out of Christianity that sounds really nice about Jesus, plus all the other things that come from Eastern religions, combined them together, and she has her own thinking, along with some others where she was, um, I think, had, had learned from people that she had had on her show. And it's uh, New Age. It's really what it is. They, they like the Christ that makes things real comfortable. But here we have a book here that uh, the adjectives here, the description that's involved. Uh, if if somebody didn't like that kind of Jesus, they certainly would not like this area of Scripture, would they? Uh, Peter uh, Peter defends uh, the truth and he knows about the people that can get caught up into this kind of thing. And so it says in, in verse 18 for speaking out arrogant words, and we just spoke about that in Jude, of vanity, they entice by fleshly desires. And of course, in Jude, it was talking about the sensuality. There's a man that uh, that you're talking about there, Dwayne, that got into all sorts of sexual things. And that we were talking about that last week. It, the two go hand in hand. Um, you know, the, the false teaching corruptness that comes along with the fleshly desires and money, the greed that is there. I don't know where he was at as far as greed, but I'm sure that probably fit into the scheme um, that he continued to keep teaching, but in a different way. Uh, Kind of interesting. They enticed by fleshly desires, by sensuality. Uh, People like to hear those kind of things. Those who barely escape from the ones who live in error. There are people who um, who are enticed by this. They want to get out of the kind of life that they're in, so they get religious and they start following some people of this nature. And... Um, Anyway, there's some that get out of these things. And evidently, I have to wonder, uh, would that be one people like you that actually got out of things, something of that nature? <laughs> you know, escaping. Oh, God is bringing you out of that. I, I think in Jude. He was trying, he absolutely was trying to God wouldn't let that happen, though, ultimately, did He? In my, in my, oh, the insanity of thinking, I couldn't be forgiven. It's hard for me to imagine the terrors that are described here. How uh, how people can take it so lightly and not even care about it. I mean, so many of them, of course, don't even know what the Second Peter is doing, but they don't take just hell itself. It's just a joke. Yeah. How real it is? Huh? I gotta be there and play poker with my buddy. Um, look at verse 22 of Jude. And have mercy on some who are doubting. Save others. Look at this. Snatching them out of the fire. And even on some, have mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. It's almost like, you know, that's that pollution has come upon them, you know, and, and when you go in there, wherever they're at, 
and you, you want to get them out of there, you know, be careful because you too can become contaminated uh, with this pollution of this false teaching, all the things that have gone with it. Uh, you go down a little bit further. It says in uh, 19, promising them freedom. Of course, we know the truth. The truth sets you free. The truth is in Christ. Christ alone. These guys are promising freedom while they themselves are slaves of corruption. Slaves of sin. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the defilements of the world. Stop there. There's that word miasma. Um, a putrid, organic kind of matter. Something that's poisonous. It's a vapor that is uh, like germs that infect the atmosphere. And he compares that. You know, and this is a deathly kind of influence that, that we're dealing with. And when you think of the world that gives off this miasma, the defilements of the world, it gives off this pollution. Uh, it's like this uh, poisonous vapor, poisonous germs, the deadly influences that are behind all of that. And that's what is in the world. Um, the, a poisonous vapor. So some people actually see the muck and the mire that they're in. They see a sinful world. It doesn't take much to look at the world really and say, what a mess. Even unbelievers know there are, if they would really look at things, turn on the news. <laughs> what a mess it's in, right? So they want to escape out of that. They get involved with uh, this contamination here. But you know, it, it's like they feel the contamination of the world. It's like they smell it. It's all a part of that. And they're seeking to escape what they're in and these people are, can be very vulnerable. They can be the ones who are desperate. They're the ones maybe looking for a new start in life. Everything has gone wrong. The world is horrible. They just want out of that. So they get involved in some kind of things that would would be wrong, but it sounds good. They are easy prey to the false teachers. It seems like they just swoop down on them like eagles. Snatch them. Seem like they know where they're at. And of course, these are the people that we, as a church, would love to get to. God is going to make sure that His own will get to the right truth, but I would sure like to beat the enemy to some of these people. Yeah. Yeah. I've felt like I've gone into putrid corruption before, um, where people that were professing to be Christians and they were in such a mess. And where they were at, you wanted to just drag them out. Of course, physically you can't necessarily do that, but you know, when you give them truth, sometimes you've seen some things happen for the good and then others you go, they, just, they went further into it. You couldn't get them out. Oh, don't you see the mess that you're in? And at one time, you know, it's like they were around the Word. It's a dangerous thing. To know a lot of the Word of God and then to turn one's back on it. I think some of you might have, maybe all of you, have seen some people who have done that. They've rejected the light that was given them and they fall further away. Um, look at Matthew 11, 21 through 24. 
This explains some things why sometimes we see some people that seem to be developing in the Lord and then things just drop out of nowhere. What's going on? We don't necessarily know, but um, look at this. This is where Jesus, I, I've gone to this passage a lot, but says a lot. Then he began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles were done. Where most of his miracles were done. Where his ministry was at. Uh, his headquarters was in Capernaum. Most of his miracles were done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Now, this is the area where he had done miracles. The people around there knew of him. They had seen it. It had become an everyday thing for him to do miracles. Woe to you. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, now these are Gentile pagan cities, if there had been miracles there which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. They, they would have repented. Nevertheless, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. Tyre and Sidon, is, <laughs> they're pagan cities, but they're going to have less judgment. There we go again. A greater condemnation coming upon people who knew truth or had seen it, seen it in action, seen Christ. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You will descend to Hades. For if the miracles had occurred in Sodom, which occurred in you, it would have remained to this day. Comparing to Sodom, worse than Sodom, Nevertheless, I say to you that it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. This is Jesus speaking. The meek and the mild, gentle Jesus. Wow. Look in Luke 12, 47 and 48. Would you say? Luke 12. Now, this is a parable. It's about the faithful steward. But what about the unfaithful? Well, and that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much of him, they will ask all the more. So there again is the degrees of punishment. And the more that one knows, the more that uh, the doom will be upon them if they do not do God's will. It will be quite miserable for them. So Peter is warning Christians, new converts, don't forsake all you've learned and you've experienced. Your doom will be very miserable. Look in Luke 9.62. When I say converts, I'm talking about ones who seemingly are true that he is giving a warning to uh, even Christians. Be careful with that. Um, Luke 9.61 says, All, Another says, this cost discipleship, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. 
But Jesus said to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. He's talking about falling away in the sense of knowing what is true and what's right and then going back, doing that. Of course, that's kind of going into the text that, that we deal with. Uh, next verse. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared by those who believe and know the truth, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it's received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the Word of God and prayer. There have been cults. There have been even denominations forbidding marriage, least of their leaders. You can think of priests you know, forbidding marriage, having certain foods, certain foods you can't eat at a certain time. And I think you have quite the condemnation here right in Timothy and Says, Paul says it's doctrines of demons. And of course, they'll, they'll put legalism on you or they'll offer some kind of freedom, but they'll always hold you to, um, to themselves. Peter uh, is not teaching uh, here a loss of salvation as we move into this, this last section. And it looks like it. For if they had escaped the defilements of the world by the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it means they know about Him. You know, you can you can have that kind of knowledge where you know a lot, but not ever know Him. And it says they are again entangled in them and are overcome, defeated by it. The last state has become worse for them than the first. Don't, they, don't you think really what I, what I see is that what happens is they sit there and they say, those personally, they said they personally go after those that are really teaching the truth in the scriptures, and they just make up their own belief system. In other words, they really don't walk away from. They're claiming they got the same Jesus you got. They're just going to do it in a new think, a new fashion, a new way. They're just not following the old way. That old way of thinking is what they basically. I, that's what I see see people do all the time. It's like they don't say they deny Christ. They're just going to get Jesus their way. Such has happened in the the liberalism. In our realm, we've seen the the liberalism in Christianity just grow in leaps and bounds. So to say, you're you're too much, you're too you're judging too harshly on people. You shouldn't do that. Yeah, that's usually where they go with it. They actually don't walk. They don't think they've walked away. They wouldn't say that they deny Christ, but they're in actuality they have. They deny their own scriptures, though. They're not like the scriptures. Yeah, so they come after those that do hold the scriptures. Last day has become worse for them than the first. Where they were at before, they go back, only it's even worse than ever. Um, even though he's not teaching that God's elect can lose the salvation here, 
But he's most definitely teaching that church members can be lost. When I say when I say church members, a, a church, you know, in a local church where people are supposed to be Christians, they're really not, but they have membership there. They can be lost if they're not really uh, of Christ. They they might make outward professions. They they might clean up their lives. They might like look good, but they turn away from Christ. Uh, you have to think of the passages of Philippians one six. Uh, there's you can go on and on. How many passages are there that uh, show us that if you're really a true Christian, that cannot happen? For I am confident in this very thing that He who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It will be done. That's a promise. And, of course, Paul is saying, I'm confident in this. I know this. And once he starts a work in us, it's about him. If he starts a true work, then it will be completed. You have to think of John 6. John 6, like uh, verse 39, for instance. Uh, This is the will of Him who sent me, that of all that He has given me, starts with God, all that He has given me, Jesus says, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Uh, John 10. John 10, the, the Good Shepherd, the sheep, all through there. He knows His sheep. And he says in verse 28, And I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Those are just a few verses. You can go on and on throughout Scripture. You're looking... What's that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Romans 8. Yeah. Yeah, all through that. The closing of... Romans 8, it just builds up and builds up and reaches the crescendo. And uh, This is a great God, a holy God, a God who will keep His, his own. But do you think there's uh, that, like a, a, a believer that's hanging around a bunch of these unbelievers that are claiming that they have the truth, their their uh, spiritual walk, they're stunned, they're stunned in their, their understanding of who God is? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, they warn yeah. That's why that's why Peter wrote first uh, and second Peter. Second Peter in your chapter one and such, you know, he's encouraging the believers and at the same time now he's warning, you know, but watch out. Remember first John in chapter two there he says, They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us they would have continued with us. And that's a key word there. That means to keep on. That's persevering. The ones who will keep on doing it are the ones who have been chosen by God. They will persevere. But they they continued. But they went out that it might be plain that they are all not of us. Not every one of them are really of us, even though they looked like they were of us. Jesus said, "He He who endures to the end will be saved. You say, well, see? So you've got to keep, keep it up to make sure that you, you get that salvation at the end, right? Well, he's saying the ones who are His, 
they will persevere. They will show it in the end. Hebrews. Um, you have a lot of warnings in Hebrews. We share in Christ if, and there's a big word, if, we hold fast our confidence firm to the end. There's perseverance again. That word if, it shows and it proves that one is a Christian and has been a Christian at, to the very end. One who will remain. Um, Jesus even spoke about that. If you remain in My Word, or if you stick around, right? Hupomeno, to remain under, right? Paul said, I preach to you the gospel which you received, in which you stand, by which you are saved. And then he says, if you hold fast. Now, there is, it sounds like again, something we have to do. If that be the case, then our salvation is really not by grace. It's how we perform. Those are warnings, but it shows that here again is one who is a Christian. He will remain to that. Uh, he stands in, in grace. So persevering faith always works um, itself out in the way of righteousness. To abandon the way of righteousness is to show that one was not true. He excludes himself from salvation. Uh, it's like, and then of course, what's the very end here? He gives the illustration of the dog and the pig in Second Peter two twenty one. For it'd be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Why? Because we've already stated the more you have, the more responsible you are. Even as Christians, we're held responsible. Not that we're going to lose salvation, but we're held responsible. And I think it's dealing with you know how we are rewarded in this sense. If we uh, are a good witness to Him, well, then we can bring more glory to Christ in our lives, even right right now. But it would be better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn away from the holy commandment handed on to them. It has happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a sow, after washing, returns to wallowing in the mire. Everybody knows the those kind of proverbs. People would have known what they were talking about there as the dog goes back to the vomit. Pig always it can be cleaned and then go right back into the, the the mud. Matter of fact, in biblical times, dogs were not, for the most part, ever kept as as pets, household pets. They were really half wild mongrels for the most part, dirty, greedy, snarling, walking out in the streets all the time, running around and going into the garbage. And they were diseased. They were they could be vicious. They were dangerous. They were despised, and. Uh, They'd throw up. You've probably seen it where a dog will look at it and then go back and eat that vomit right up. These dogs, they they lived on garbage, carried disease. They returned to eat what the garbage produced in uh, in them. Just filthy creatures. Filthy they were. Pigs, the epitome of uncleanness, especially to a Jew. (laughs) Greedy, vicious, filthy animals. Jesus said they'd tear you to pieces. Jesus said, don't give holy things to dogs and don't give pearls to swine. They only trample them on their way to their vomit and their mud. Both return to their filth. So do false teachers. 
they'll always go back. They can look so good. They can even teach the right things. Dwayne was talking about somebody who actually preached evangelically. But he returned to what he really was all along. It was a good way to make a living, to make money, good way to get attention from people. There were a lot of things coming his way. And I've heard of guys in the pulpit that have, they would preach and they'd actually try to preach the Bible as good as they could. And, they, and, and one guy even said, what am I doing up here? I don't even believe this stuff. So they'd give their little sermonette to make their living, their money, because they grew up through the denomination, but yet they didn't really believe what was even there. And they eventually go back. By the way, that that proverb, that proverb's out of 26.11. Proverb 26.11. A dog returns to its own vomit. Boy, just a few short verses. It's very graphic. You know, I didn't make this up. Nobody here made this up. It wasn't wasn't done by a human being ultimately Peter didn't make it up this is this is God's holy spirit that is being so demonstrable yeah Dwayne I'm, I'm sorry I know we're out of time uh, what, I, I know I read somewhere that some of the early Calvinists believed that if you were truly elect you would never even backslide that you would not uh, so uh, for example the scripture that says had a pile of back the kingdom of God. Uh, that's one that you know a lot of people that back to say it's too late to be. Uh, how do we scripturally deal other other than going back to like Solomon and different ones, uh, how do we scripturally deal with the the problem of backsliding in view of these passages that talk about that? Uh, other than you know where Jesus said all men are sinners by that's a real good question. And I've asked you about that before, but I, you know, I still. You know, we um, we hear that word backsliding. I used to hear it more back when. I don't hear that word very much anymore. Um, Spurgeon talked about backsliders and such too, especially in the 1800s. And uh, for one thing, I, I, it might have been Sproul or somebody uh, spoke of the idea of backsliding is anytime we sin. When we have just sinned, just just like let's say a couple of days ago, or sometime today, we've just backslidden. Some tend to backslide a little bit further, um, I, and I think the warnings are definitely in Scripture. Not only is the law there, there's three uses of the law. There is the law that's the ceremonial law to the Jews. There also is the law that is done for civil reasons, the civil law that we have in our nation and in the world, uh, which is a good thing. Most of that's really based off of God's law. Then there's the law for Christians. There's the law that drives one to Christ, which is God's law. And that's the biggest use of it there, to drive one to Christ. But also for the church, there is the sense of the law that should steer us in the right way of righteousness and it should make us very somber. It should make us humble in a sense. What happens when one, let's say, has 
backslidden in the sense of what we traditionally think of. I mean, he's gone more than just just sin, and he's not really repenting of it, and goes a little bit further than one would ever really want to go. Well, we know that. Kind of like, kind of like you know, there's, there's a lot of young people I think kind of do it, a Jonah. Uh, you know, they get mad at God, and then they kind of say, "I'm going to go to Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh." Just flat out disobedience. Right. And, of course, what did God do with Jonah? Right. And that never can happen, can they? Or they can say, oh, I just don't believe in God anymore. You know, what an easy way out. Of course, a Christian can't do that. Um, but in one sense, they might just say that just to try to get somebody's attention. Yeah, there's, there's something there that's, you know, um, in their heart that's not right. But sometimes they just hey, just get away from me, you know. So they'll say something like that, but they don't really mean it. Um, but I think one can be, become hardened. Uh, I think there are many scriptural uh, passages. Of course, you have to think of somebody like Samson. My, look at some of the things that he did. I mean, it, he doesn't even show that he even looked like a Christian, does he? When I, when I was a kid, first read him in the Hall of Fame at the Faith Hall of Fame, I was stunned. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it doesn't give license to sin um, at the same time what, what you have a, a host of others uh, of course you can think of um, um, of course Lot I, we talked about Lot before I think we dealt with that one night but wouldn't you say oh, oh, how about um, Solomon Solomon definitely, I think, would be an example of real backsliding with what he had gotten into. And there he is. And, of course, you read the Ecclesiastes and you see uh, as he's looking back, everything is empty. It's deceptive. Uh, he got caught up in all the things that he had and it wasn't the answer. And even though he knew what the answer was, he had that wisdom. So, you know, you look at First John and it says this, when we sin, what are we supposed to do? Confess our sin. Ask forgiveness right there. Um, and, and make it a short list. When people let it go longer and longer, they become hardened. And I'm talking about like true Christians. All of a sudden, we see that they don't even look like Christians anymore. And, and Peter has addressed that whenever uh, in his first epistle, or uh, I'm sorry, it's in this epistle here, I mean chapter 1 of Second Peter. For he who lacks the qualities of knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, all of those qualities that are Christians' qualities, for if you lack these qualities, if right now they're not really bearing like fruit should be bearing, if it's not there, they, they're blind or they're short-sighted, having forgotten this purification from his former sins. This is one who is a believer. But they've gotten to a point now they're, they're like blind, you know, and the qualities aren't showing. If somebody saw them, they go, well, that guy's not a believer. But you know full well that yeah, they are of Christ. And they are His chosen. And He says, make certain, be diligent about it, really work at it about your calling and choose God's choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. 
So if you're backsliding or stumbling, then the, the, the sense is, is we see the one who has bought us. You go back to the cross. You see what He has done. And He has done for us. And it's all His work. He keeps us where we're at. Then we, we look at God. We don't look at ourselves because we're still going to try to get back to God by our own effort again then. Like that's going to really make Him love us more. <laughs> right. Well, it it hits kind of with this with this area right here, and I think uh, all the years that you were underneath some terrible teaching, and I, and you don't mind if I do this because you you've, you've been saying it all along, anyways. I'm not saying anything new, and. Who here hasn't been under some kind of things that were wrong? I'd be the first to admit, hey, there were things way back whenever I first started that really had. I mean, it was cult. It was cult stuff. Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, it's dealing with. Um, by the way, we're talking about um, Mormons, uh, for instance. Um, they actually will say they believe in Jesus, but it's not the same Jesus. And they had Ravi Zacharias speaking there at the temple. The only one who is an evangelical outside of Mormonism that has spoken there since I don't know how many years. Bob, I don't know if you ran across that in Facebook. I'm not going to run down Ravi on this. I need to check out this more. It's like, what is he doing there? What is he doing in the colleges? He's speaking about the Word of God. But what was said by one of the Mormons, he here, you know, speaking positively of him, here he believes in the same Christ that we believe in. And, you know, no, we don't. And Ravi Zacharias would be the first to tell you, no. You just went to the Scriptures. Be careful who you align yourself with. Yeah. What's going to be happening is people are going to see that and they're going to think, oh, well, he's crossed to the side and they're going to blast him and rip him out. You've got to go a little bit deeper and find out what's going on. I would not feel comfortable about going into the Mormon temple because now all of a sudden you're going to be shaped into doing what they expect you to do. You're going to say some favorable things about them. If you come in there teaching the things that Jesus taught whenever he went into the temple in Jerusalem, they'd have you out in a moment. So um, it's I, uh, I have to be really careful either way. They may have started just by talking about where that we do have an agreement with them. You know, there's not very many, but there are some just to establish common ground. And he's going to get invited back, and then I mean, how is what he did any different than what um, all the apostles and all the yeah, he's using a ground of um, moral uh, reasons, and um, I, you know because they are people that try to stand up for moral purposes. But when you really look at all false teaching, is going to have some evil inclinations that are there. On the surface, On the surface they look so good. Yeah. But when you look at this, believe me, they don't look so good. And of course, you'd probably be able to tell us. And I, uh, you know, people admire um, people that look so good. Of um, trying to think of um, 
and there's there are people that have come out of it. Amish. People adore the Amish for giving up all the things and they look holy and such. But if you were to really look inside of what they really are, I think you'd find a lot of them that would fall right into this same place. Oh, surely not. Many groups that are born again, but still have not been free from legalism. But there's a lot of a lot of the Amish. They don't even believe in being born again. It's pure legalism. Exactly. And works. A lot of the Amish don't. They don't read their Bibles uh, just like anybody else. It's almost like Very deceptive. I've been going there forever. I was actually a deacon in the church. And this just happened a couple of years ago. He decided that, you know, he was going to sing as people were coming in. They asked him to leave the church. He'd been there forever. Hmm. I mean, it's not about Christianity at all. Which, maybe that was God getting him to a better place. Somebody was teaching the right things. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah Ed's son. Ed, right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was going along. He thought he was, you know, learning. Very and faithful learning. man in the church there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he thought life was great. Yeah. Well, anyway, that section, I guess we have come to the conclusion of. And there's still a little bit more in chapter 3, and then we'll talk about the day of the Lord. Uh, and that's it for Second Peter. Anyway, quite the warnings here. Quite, uh, quite real. And uh, yet it's still uh, applicable for us in, in this time. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Going through, uh, again, a tough passage. Bob, could you lead us there, birthday boy? Gracious <laughs> Heavenly Father, well, thank you for this uh, time together and uh, for your precious holy word that uh, convicts us and um, establishes itself in us that uh, writes our thinking and uh, gets us to uh, question not you, O oh Lord, but uh, but ourselves and our motives. And uh, you know that's a true blessing from you, O oh Lord. Uh, and uh, we just praise you for uh, all your good gifts, Lord, and uh, for how faithful you are to your word and uh, your promises. Uh, help us to trust you better, Lord, in the coming week and uh, through all of our frailties, Lord, uh, do your work by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.